Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we're going to be talking about this relatively common dynamic when uh, your wife keeps shooting down your dinner ideas. In my uh, Facebook group, we talked about this. Somebody shared a funny meme that was like two guys uh, checking out a woman, but basically the caption was when she knows what she wants for dinner. Um, And you should join my Facebook group, by the way, because there's plenty of uh, funny stuff and lots of interesting, intelligent discussion, which is rare on the internet. But anyway, um, so, oh, and also, of course, you should subscribe because to this podcast, which is separate, subscription for podcasts, separate from Facebook group, because yesterday's episode that was subscriber only is what does anxiety look like in kids and why does it start? Hint, it starts because of a parent. Um, And there is over 115 uh, subscriber episodes that you can get to or more than that by now, by whenever you hear this, because I record these like two months out by now. Okay, so why does your wife keep on shooting down your dinner ideas? And what does this sound like? So I mean, this is like ridiculous to me, because I mean, if in case you couldn't tell, I'm not an indecisive person. Also, I cook dinner, and that's what everybody eats. <laughs> I've never asked in my life. I don't think what somebody wants to eat for dinner in my family, well, we're eating at home, because that's what I do. But so, so you could just like skip to the end and just take that as your idea. But if you struggle with this, that's unlikely to be something that you choose to implement. So let's back up and see first, why does this happen? What does it look like? It looks like the man says, um, no, first she says, or he said, it doesn't matter. Somebody says, so what do you want to eat for dinner? And the other person says, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, uh, you know, and the guy says, maybe Italian. She says, I don't know. No, I don't know. I, I don't, I think we already, you know, we had Italian recently. And he says, all right, what about Chinese? And she says, Mm, I don't know. I mean, if you really want to, I'm not really feeling Chinese though. And then they go loop to loop. And this, you know, if you add up all the time it takes to do this, it's, you know, days in total of people's lives, you know, nobody wishes on their deathbed that they had spent more time ambivalently you know, discussing what to eat for dinner. And generally decision, you know, the ability to decision make is thought of as a fairly good trait. So why does this happen? It happens because you got two people pleasers. So some guys act like it's the woman's problem, but she's the one shooting down all of his ideas. Why does he keep throwing out ideas? Why doesn't he just say, all right, I'm going to get Chinese food, you know, or, or you get something else. I'll I'm doing something else now, you know? It's like two people that are two things that I talk about a lot. One, it's the cult of boundaries and preferences, in this case, preferences. So it's like the the, the fact that you could think of possibly an even better, more delectable morsel, you know, is out there. It's like FOMO, you know? Like, could you possibly have a dinner that's a 9 out of 10 instead of a 10 out of 10? You know, why? Why would you suffer that way? You know, you need your your the most wonderful possible thing out of all the things that you prefer, you know, that has to be it. And 
the likelihood of you and your spouse both wanting the same delectable morsel at the same time is pretty low, you know, because you are two separate people. And then there's also the people-pleasing and conflict aversion. So obviously, you know, the guy doesn't care, right? You know, in, in, but, but he does. He's acting like he doesn't. So if he really didn't, he would be like, all right, well, then pick something and order it, you know. Um, or pick something by this time that I'm leaving work and I will pick it up or I will make it or whatever. Um, but he really does care. Otherwise, you know, he, he would do that. What he cares about primarily is not displeasing the princess. So this is a dynamic where the man is a people pleaser, but he's acting like he's kind of uh, being the alpha because he's the one who comes out with the suggestions for her to shoot down. But in reality, he's just like as big a people pleaser and conflict averse as her. And she is too, because somebody here knows what they want to eat. You know, I mean, just statistically, like this is two adults, you know, there's only a finite amount of possibilities so even if you factor in you know that this this i this idea that everybody should get their very favorite thing oh and and just this is a funny aside but people who have this dynamic this is like the funniest they'll say things like straight face completely straight face they'll be like our kids are so picky it's it's horrible i mean they'll really only have this one brand of chicken fingers and you know like they, they'll they'll only have this one type of dessert so basically they'll only eat two things and you know we really can't go anywhere you know and and if we do we got to like pack their food they they won't go to certain restaurants four year old my four year old won't go to certain restaurants i'm like Oh, well, you know, that stuff is modeled from parents. You're like, no, we're, we're very laid back. <laughs> we're very easygoing about things. And then, of course, it comes out that they have these ridiculous conversations right in front of the child. What does the child learn from? No, I don't really want Chinese. No, we had Italian too recently. What does the child learn? Be picky. Be very, very picky about stupid shit. I just wrote a post, the 90-10 rule, why you should only have an opinion about 10% of shit that happens and how that's like how CEOs operate, you know? Like, what are you teaching your kid? You're teaching your kid that like the, the moment of pleasure when that food hits your tongue is worth a ridiculous discussion that the child understands is, you know, conflict. So even if it's very low-level conflict, that there should be any sort of back and forth conflict over, you know, what to eat. So then what's very important? What to eat. They learn what to eat is extremely important. It's so important that these two adults that are my parents, like, talk about their preferences of what to eat, like, all the time, daily, or near daily. So then as a child, I'm emulating my parents. So what do I think is very important? That I get exactly what I want to eat 100% of the time, as mommy and daddy seem to do. So if so, number one, if you have a picky kid, it's never the case that there's a picky kid without picky parents because non-picky parents just serve the kid whatever. It's like, oh, we're having dinner. Here's dinner. Like they can't really even imagine that like a child would have that many preferences because they don't. So, you know, they, they serve a dinner. If the child eats some of it, not the rest of it, okay. So they like this thing better than this thing, but then we used to have another dinner the next night. And that used to be kind of how it was. People in general did not used to be as picky about food, obviously. So, you know, in our parents' generation or the generation before, there's, the generation before certainly, there's not DoorDash, 
Not our parents' generation either. You know, people didn't go out to eat as frequently. It wasn't such a big thing. Everybody didn't consider themselves an amateur, you know, restaurant reviewer. That just like, was not the culture. So you eat what is served at home, you know. And some kids who were less sensitive were better able to eat everything on the plate or like everything that's served. And kids who were more sensitive did not like everything, but they still still ate enough to remain alive. And that was just the culture. You know, now our culture, as I've discussed over and over, is what I'm calling the cult of preferences. And that is no more apparent in any arena than in the food arena. So the idea of what to eat and how to eat, people have various styles of what they eat, you know, and just people review shit on Yelp all the time and just it's like a big deal about where to eat. So of course your child's going to pick up on this. The more you're like this, the pickier they're going to be. And I have a podcast on picky eating. Um, about children, which you could get into. But anyway, back to the man and woman thing or the married couple thing, however, whatever gender. The the main thing here is these people, there's, there's usually not people that are just like this about food, which is why I bring it up because it's more interesting to me when we were talking about it um, on Facebook. And I'm thinking, what does this relate to? You know, it relates to general inability to um, upset anybody. So instead of being like, yes, I want Chinese tonight. So that's what we are getting. Cool. Right. The other person probably be so relieved to be like, yeah, okay. You know, um, or uh, apparently, you know, this is also emotional labor, which ties into another one of my favorite topics or my pet peeves is the people that talk about emotional labor down to stuff that would be like embarrassing, like in, in any other frame of, you know, any other time in the universe, it would be embarrassing. People say to me, well, I have to be the one to tell the housekeeper, like, to come on Monday. And there's, like, no, um, <laughs> there's no self-reflection. Like, this is good. You're living a good life. You got a housekeeper. That is wonderful. You have that much money. What? That's great. You don't have to scrub your own toilets. How wonderful. But instead, this becomes a a proving ground for who is doing more in the house, which one of the spouses is the one to interact with the housekeeper, who then is doing multiple hours of cleaning of the house, but somebody has to call her and somebody has to pay her. And that 30 seconds on each end turns into a fight. And this is exemplifies, this exemplifies the culture of, uh, you know, kind of self-centeredness, quite honestly. That's when I said self-care jumps the shark into selfishness, cult of boundaries. This is like a major theme that I discuss because it is the death of a happy relationship when people are scorekeeping. Also, you could refer back to my fair play podcast where people are legitimately supposed to have cards that they divide for the chores. And it's like the ultimate scorekeeping. And of course, scorekeeping is bad for a relationship of any sort, friendship, um, intimate relationship parent-child relationship. Anyway, so the, the idea is here that this is also an emotional labor thing. The decision of what to eat is apparently considered emotional labor now. Instead of, wow, wow, lucky you, you get to choose from all these options, you know, that, that you could eat tonight just by pressing something on your phone. Amazing. Instead, it's considered emotional labor. So the couple that struggles with this really has to think about how they engage in the world and whether they're being, uh, quite honestly, a little bit selfish. You know, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it. Are they being selfish and thus modeling self-centeredness for their children? And does their fear of any conflict prohibit them from just kind of saying, 
A, I, I, I don't care, or B, I want X. And that's it. I mean, it, it, the, the reality is that, that the couple easily in the age of DoorDash would be able to order their own dinners. But that seems to be like a bridge too far. So instead, people do this ridiculous back and forth that only models to children that individual preferences are just so important. And that it's so important that both people get exactly what they need. It, it isn't. It really isn't. So then you could imagine like the, um, how this goes on to when we talk about sex. So if the woman doesn't want to kiss, well, of course, she can't do anything she doesn't want to do. If the man doesn't really want to go on a date, well, shit, he can't do anything he doesn't want to do. So then they end up in a sexless, romanticless marriage. They both basically are, are depressed all the time. But at least they did not have to go outside their comfort zones, God forbid, and do anything they did not want to do. So what would I recommend if you are in this sort of uh, restaurant uh, purgatory with your partner? Perhaps you could just try implementing a different strategy such that you never have this conversation in front of your children again, nor do you take up the finite moments you have on this earth alive with this back and forth bullshit that you know, really doesn't teach anybody anything good and doesn't let you practice anything good. So instead, you could do one of the two things that I recommend, which is A, whoever mentions first what they want to eat gets to eat it. (laughs) Or whoever's making it gets to make whatever they want. Or one person just says, you know what, we can eat whatever the fuck you want forever. (laughs) And that's that, you know, unless I tell you I am bringing home something else. So the person who is the cook can just make the damn food and they can take everybody's preferences, global preferences into account, such as, you know, the partner does not like asparagus, but everything else is fair game or what have you. But what you should not do is allow this to be a constant, um, fake decision making where you're kind of pretending that you care what the other person wants but you're not really and you're getting kind of resentful and you're not practicing being selfless or kind because that's what you should always be practicing in a relationship and you're modeling individualistic um, preferences and this putting them on a pedestal for your children and then wondering why they're selfish or picky or unappreciative. Right. So don't do that because it doesn't make any sense. So instead, you could listen to this with your partner if you want or if they don't like me. Not everybody has to like me. Don't listen to it with them. But try to say next time they say, what do you want for dinner? You say, sweetheart, you choose. I can't wait to see what you order and or what you cook, because whatever you want, honey, that would be interesting. Be interesting to see what they do. You know, and it would be interesting if they get really, really anxious and they say, well, no, 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 I can't make that decision. In which case, maybe all along, they have wanted you to be the one that comes up with the dinner. And this could really transform your marriage. You got to always be willing to think outside the box. If something isn't working, so if there's a decision that consistently comes up and it doesn't go well for the couple... Now, I'm not talking about if they're just two foodies that just are saying, oh, well, I read a review about this and you read a review on that. And so let's go to this one this week and this one the next week. No, people talk about this as actually like an annoying, irritating part of their day, a daily conversation about this. So what do you do so as not to be the definition of insanity? You don't do the same thing over and over and expect a change. You don't continue to have a discussion that's irritating and expect that it's not going to eventually become you know, erode closeness, it will. It will become the daily irritating interaction you have with your spouse. Who the hell needs that? You should have better interactions with your spouse, not worse, right? So the the, the point I'm trying to say here is try to switch it up. 
try to either grow your decision-making and assertiveness skills and say, I want X, I will cook it. You know, it's going to be great. I promise <laughs> it'll be wonderful. You know, you'll knock your socks off and just do a good job cooking or say, whatever you want, if you genuinely don't care, and you would like to especially model for your children flexibility and kindness about something that genuinely does not matter. Because you know what? You can eat whatever you want for the other two meals a day, so what the fuck do you really care? And if you care that much, is it really helping you to be somebody who cares that much? Or are there other aspects of your life in which your sensory preferences or your preferences about doing things that you want or don't want to do are impeding your functioning and your self-actualization or your relationship actualization. You know, if you are somebody, because I always see this and I talked about it in the other podcast now that I'm talking, I remember that I said that picky eating also goes with um, uh, squeamishness and sexual closed-offness 100% of the time. The women that don't want to touch in bed have very, very definitive preferences about what they eat because eating is another sensory thing. So honestly, if you're the man in that situation, where do you want her to focus her energy? Do you give a shit if you eat pasta for the rest of your life for dinner if she were to then focus on sex? Because it can't be everything, you see. It can't be everything. I tell this to people all the time. I say, you got to stay on brand. What is your major ask here in couples counseling? It's that she's more sexually open cool. Well, then you can't have problems with how she parents and you can't have problems with how she does or doesn't exercise or or your in-laws or how she spends money. People can't work on 20 million things at once. And then they start to feel that you're the boy who cried wolf. You want her to work on more physical intimacy? Get rid of the other fucking problems because they're not as important as that one. So say to your wife, sure, honey, let's just see what you want every night for real. I've realized that I'm being ridiculous too because sometimes I shoot stuff down and I don't really give a shit. The number one thing I care about is that we're close and connected. So any, if it makes you happy to eat the, whatever the hell you want for dinner, I'm there, I'm doing it. Fine, cool. And you know what? Maybe truly it would be a gift to her because if you are that picky and you have that many sensory preferences and it is stressful to consider eating something that you do not want to eat, then take it off her plate. The more nice things you do, you know, the more likely somebody is to play ball in other arenas. I mean, it it sounds crazy to say it for somebody that is not uh, very picky themselves. So the man that's continually throwing out the ideas to get shot down. But if it is truly even a remote 10% stressor to her to eat Chinese when she wants to eat pizza, which it is to somebody who has loads and loads of individual sensory preferences about taste, touch, smell, etc. Do you want this stress to be yet another mark against you subconsciously that she has in her mind? No. You know, if you're dealing with a rigid person, this goes to my previous podcast on Oh, is your rigidity harming your relationship with your husband and kids? But if you're dealing with a rigid person, which is the sort of person who has lots and lots of preferences about what they eat at what time, when, how, where, do you, do you, want, to, you, you want to expand the horizon of this rigid person probably in one key area, physical affection and emotional affection, which is linked. But you don't want to stress them out about what to eat. You don't want to stress them out about what they wear. You don't want to stress them out about much. So unless they are doing horrible, egregious things, such as, as I've talked about, constricting your children, you know, making them scared of the world, um, perpetuating their anxiety with the kids, that's a major one, right? And the other major one is a physical relationship. But if there are these little things that you could just give over, like 
hey, you know, do you want it? Does it stress you out more to decide what to eat or does it stress you out more to sometimes eat things I want? Because whichever thing you want, let's fucking do it. You know, the rest of your life you could pick or the rest of your life I could pick. But we're not going to have interactions that kind of make you irritated with me anymore. Unfortunately, we have enough of those. We don't have a margin of error here. We're trying to work on building closeness in our relationship. Also, if you are the bottleneck, if you are the rigid person who fetishizes one specific food at one specific time, think about how this ideology was learned in your family of origin. A hundred percent. There were very picky, selfish people there. And do you want to be this kind of person? Or do you want to be the kind of person who says, sure, I'll try that. Sure, I'll try that. Open-mindedness and by, you know, as, as indicated here by, quote, sure, I'll try that, is the, the most important thing, the most essential ingredient of a happy relationship from everything I've seen as a couples counselor for, you know, now close to a decade and a half, right? Um, open-mindedness and the ability to say, sure, I'll try that. So why don't you guys try that? <laughs> you could, you could, when the next time that your partner says you want to try Chinese, you want Chinese tonight, you say, sure, I'll try that. Sure, sure, it sounds good. Sounds good. That's another one. It's even two words. You could only say two words. Sounds good. The more you say sounds good and things like that, the more your kids turn into people who say sounds good. You want kids who say sounds good. Everybody wants kids who say sounds good. They're flexible, agreeable, agreeable in the personality sense. Somehow that got a bad rap, that word, as being like a doormat. You're not a doormat if you eat Chinese food when you would have liked sushi 5% better. You're a reasonable human being who other people want to maintain relationships with. Anyway, um, I, I think that hopefully I've given you something to think about about this topic that maybe you were, uh, you know, thought maybe I couldn't even talk a lot about. And here I have talked for 21 minutes about it. All right. I hope you found it interesting as I did. And I'll talk to you all soon. Bye bye, guys.